Welcome. We're so glad you're here with us today. We're so glad to see you and worship with you. Um, it's just a blessing to be here with you. We started uh, last Wednesday night, we started a group, we're calling it the Roots Group. And it's a small group just kind of introducing um, people who are new with us, maybe people who are, have just started following Jesus um, to Jesus and to our community and to scripture and to some of the practices we have here. And it's, an, it's a group where we're, it's six weeks and we're inviting people into faith practices. And so the first one was love because it all starts with love. God is love. And so we wanted to start with love and just some things got going in my mind. And I just have been thinking about love ever since then. And it's like, the subject is so big, so vast, and it can, you know, it can sound so romantic or whatever. And I'm like, oh Lord, there's just so much there that I want us as a community to know and people to know. And so I'm going to speak today though about three problems with love. <laughs> Could love have problems? Yes. Well, maybe it depends on how you put it. I just thought it would maybe intrigue you to know that there could be problems with love. <laughs> but um, in our group, it was really cool. We asked people, the participants, to share an image or an experience or a memory that they had had with love in their life at some point. And it ended up being kind of so beautiful and so profound. I, I asked them if I could share some of them with you. And they're simple. They're simple pictures, simple memories, but they're not. They're beautiful and they're and profound too. So here are some of the thoughts from group on Wednesday night about love. So there's the Corinthian church and then there's the fellowship church. The Corinthians had their chapter on love. This could be the fellowship's weekly chapter on love. <laughs> love is shelter and protection, trust and presence, joy and laughter. Love is the family dog laying its head in the lap of a crying child. Love is good advice from grandma on how to find true love. Love is hard, caring for others even when I don't like or respect them. Love is a high school friend bringing ice cream, not just for me, but to all my little siblings because life was hard for all of us. And a little bit of ice cream brings a whole lot of joy. Love is a gift secretly planned and stored for years to be given at a later date. Love is that crazy affection you feel for a baby when all they can do is sleep, cry, and mess diapers. Love is also the expectation that they will grow up someday. Love doesn't judge or patrol like a cop, but comes to you even when you're in a jail cell and bells you out with an embrace. Love is so tenacious, persistent, and determined, it'll rip open a roof to get a crippled friend to Jesus. And love is Jesus inviting us to remain in his love, so his joy may be in us, and our joy can be complete. Isn't that beautiful? Lord, I just pray today that you would deposit in us a revelation of love. Just for each person here, each person listening, that we could have a little bit more of that measure of joy, be a little bit more complete because we've experienced your love today in this place. And help us, Lord, as we wrestle with the problems of love. 
Help us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. So I've been listening. I listened to this podcast by Pete Scazzaro, the Emotionally Healthy Spirituality series. I really love his stuff. And he mentioned a story from the Brothers Karamasov. It's a Dostoevsky novel. And I happen to be reading it at the moment or listening on Audible. You guys are probably going to hear lots of Dostoevsky stories for the next several weeks because... Um, it's a 40-hour Audible book. <laughs> My average book is 10 hours, not 40, and I'm only 10 in, so this is going to take me a while. So you're going to get lots of insight from Dostoevsky the next few weeks. I don't know. No guarantees. But in one of the stories, uh, and then Scazzaro mentioned the same story that I had heard the other day, and I was like, this is a good story. And one of the stories, this very wealthy woman who's looking for the healing of her daughter comes to to this old monk, this old wise monk. And she asks him, she says, how can I really know if God exists? And he says, I can't prove it to you. I don't have a good argument for you. But I do know one thing that will help you. You need to practice active love. Oh, she says, she confesses that I've actually had this thought before. She said, I thought I would maybe sell all of my things, give everything I possess, give it to the poor. Maybe I would become a nun or, a, or go into service like you. And then she said, I just couldn't do it. She says, because it crosses my mind how ungrateful people would be. They would complain that the food isn't hot enough. The bread isn't fresh enough. The bed's too hard. And I couldn't bear the thought of how ungrateful they would be. And so my dream of love and service vanished, and I'm still wondering if God exists. The monk listens, and then he replies, and he says, love in practice is a harsh and dreadful thing compared to love in dreams. Love in dreams thirst for immediate action, quickly performed, with everyone watching, Indeed, it will go as far as the giving even of one's life, provided it does not take long, but is soon over, as on stage, and everyone is looking on and praising, whereas active love is labor and persistence. Love in practice is a harsh and dreadful thing compared to love in dreams. Have you ever heard the idea, I'd be such a great Christian if it weren't for people, <laughs> right? <laughs> That's what we all sometimes feel sometimes. So the first problem with love, simply put, is that it's hard. <laughs> love is hard. It's fun to imagine, easy to romanticize, both the giving and the receiving. But at the end of the day, love is hard. So what is active love? What is love in practice? We're going to read from the words of the Apostle Paul in Corinthians 13. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Have you heard these words before? Yes? Most days, I feel like I am the exact opposite of all of these. <laughs> My family is the witness to this, right? 
Some days I'm impatient. I can be rude. I can be jealous. I want to make sure everybody knows my accomplishments and strengths, my skills. I can be critical. I'm looking out for myself, numero uno here, and my interests. I can be easily angered and irritable. Oh, I thought I'd bring you my record of wrongs. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's scratch paper. <laughs> but sometimes don't you feel that way, that you have a record of wrongs that could be that long? <laughs> sometimes it's just too much work. I want to avoid the truth, avoid the difficult conversations. I have a hard time addressing an offense I have with others or even recognizing my own sin. And it's just too much work to protect people. It's too hard to trust people. And perseverance, I'm tired of just reading this list. <laughs> That's sometimes the mentality we can have about love. Think about Jesus's love coming to earth. I'm just gonna tell you all the hard stuff. As a baby, Herod set out to kill him and his family had to flee for their lives. They were refugees in Egypt. Later on, as Jesus is ready to start his ministries and the Pharisees, it says in Luke 6, 11, they were filled with rage and plotted what they would do to Jesus. How would you like to live with people plotting against you, filled with rage? At one point, the crowds in John 8, 58, they say to him, who do you think you are, Jesus? And they pick up rocks to stone him. The crowds pressed against Jesus. He lived a nomadic life. He didn't have his own bed. That would be the worst of it all, not to have your own bed. <laughs> I know how much I like my bed. <laughs> Jesus was hungry. Jesus was tired. Jesus was thirsty. I bet even Jesus got hangry, right? Even Jesus. That's how incredible his love was that he would endure these hard things to connect with us, to be able to have relationship with humanity. If we're not honest about the cost of love, or if we romanticize love, we'll give up. We'll give up on one another way too soon. And here's what we know though, each one of us at a gut level, we know that love is hard and it feels like going against the grain, but it's worth it. And we know that without love, we're nothing. We have nothing. In fact, we know that without love, we're, the only thing that matters and the most important thing is love. Think about the most important relationships in your life. They're probably the most difficult, right? Honestly, your most important relationships have required the most of you. Think about the people you love who may not love you in return. That's the hardest kind of love. And you have a friend in Jesus because he identifies with that pain. Hebrews 12, one through two says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. There was this joy for what he was doing that was set before him. He had this, he had this vision 
He says, I love my people and I want them to be able to receive my love. And I can do this because this is worth it. There's a connection between love and joy. And when you love, you reap joy. So there's a solution to problem number one. Yay, these problems all have solutions. (laughs) Even though we might not be the best at love, and even though it can be a hard and dreadful thing, God is incredible with love, and he empowers us to love. Hallelujah. 1 John 4, 16, God is love. His very nature is love, and he gives it to us. Deuteronomy 7, 7 through 8 is a passage where God is speaking to the Israelites. And this is what, he, what, God's, this is what it says there. It says, God wasn't attracted to you and didn't choose you because you were big and important because of your credentials. No, the fact is, is that there was nothing, almost nothing to you. He did it out of sheer love. Isn't that amazing, God's love? God can't do anything else but love. It's God's very nature. Jeremiah 31.3 says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. God is love and love is unconditional, everlasting, unfailing, never ending. And that same love dwells inside of us. First John 4, 12 says, no one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. Isn't that amazing, that passage? It makes me go back to Dostoevsky's story. The wealthy woman is saying, I haven't seen God. How do I know God exists? And the monk replies, practice active love and you'll experience God living in you. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. Another version says, the NIV version says, his love is made complete in us. If you're listening today and you're questioning God's existence, I challenge you, ask God to show you his love and try giving active love a chance. See what could happen. See what might be opened. Be prepared. It's not easy. It's not all roses and mountain meadows, (laughs) but give it a chance. Be perseverant, be determined, just like Jesus had that determination to go to the cross and win our hearts. Revelation 3.20, there's this image of Jesus standing at the door of your heart and knocking, and he says, if you open it, he'll come in. So imagine opening your heart to love, letting love come in, and giving it a place where it can be brought to full expression, a place where love can be made complete in us. Wouldn't that, isn't that beautiful? So open your heart and allow Jesus's love to empower you. That's the first solution. Quickly, the next two problems. The second problem with love is it requires vulnerability. Ah, No one likes vulnerability, right? 1 Corinthians 13, 7. 
three different translations that we just read. Love always trusts. And the King James Version says it believes all things. The message says it hopes for the best. Oh, man. That's hard to do, isn't it? What if the best doesn't happen? What if I get hurt? What if this goes wrong? What if that goes wrong? Yeah, that's vulnerability. That's risk. Susceptibility, exposure. No one likes vulnerability, but love requires it. One of the the definitions of trust, the verb for trust, is to commit someone or something to the safekeeping of. Again, think about that time you were entrusted with a responsibility, maybe a special work project, perhaps a secret or a surprise. Don't entrust me with secrets or surprises. (laughs) Just kidding, but (laughs) I'm really bad at surprises. (laughs) But I've been to a couple of weddings lately, And at one, I was entrusted with the rings, you know, the gold and the diamonds. And I didn't tell the couple this, but if you know me, I lose my keys, I lose my wallet, I lose my phone, all of those things often, too often to count. Aaron's completely exasperated by that. And here I have wedding rings in my hands. (laughs) Don't worry, I took very good care of them. I even wore something with pockets and I even brought my own little satchel, all of this stuff to make sure I didn't lose those rings. And I'm happy to report that I was more reliable than the five-year-old with the silk pillow. So they got the rings. But think about Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus was born as an infant to a young woman named Mary and a young man named Joseph. And and God entrusted them (laughs) with his very own son. I mean, talk about vulnerable I mean, God was saying, I want to share the best part of my life with you. And I know you're going to make bad decisions. I know there's danger. I know there's imperfect parenting, (laughs) but I'm going to be with you. I want to share life with you. Popular uh, social researcher, Brené Brown, she's very quotable, isn't she? She says this about vulnerability. She says, staying vulnerable is a risk we have to take if we want to experience connection. Yeah, staying vulnerable is a risk we have to take if we want to experience connection. Jesus consistently modeled vulnerability, didn't he? All the time. He came as a baby. He was submitted as a child to imperfect earthly parents committed to a company of miscellaneous, often knuckleheaded disciples, right? He entrusted his ministry to this crew. He said things that put him at risk, and he spoke in parables that were easily misunderstood. He lived without a home. He was often grasped and handled. His clothes were torn out in crowds. Talk about how vulnerable that would be physically. He sat still before a weeping woman washing his feet with her tears and hair. How vulnerable would you feel in that place? He stood quietly while his accusers lashed out at him, and ultimately he hung naked on a cross. Staying vulnerable is a risk Jesus took to experience connection with us. Staying vulnerable is a risk we have to take 
if we want to experience connection. Okay, I, th- I just realized I lied. <laughs> there isn't a solution to this problem, <laughs> but there's a reward. There isn't an easy way out of this one, but there is a reward. Matthew 16, 25 says, whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Another word for vulnerability is faith. Putting our trust in God, believing that God's goodness will prevail and his love will endure forever. When we risk our own lives, we find life in God, life in love. It's worth it. It's so worth it. Don't give up. It's worth the vulnerability. It's worth the risk. The third problem with love, it's the real measure of our maturity and success. Not the credentials, not the degrees, not the years of experience, not the money, not the fame, but love is the measure of our success. So often in religious culture, it's our popularity, our influence, our persuasive words, our witty Twitter account, our spiritual gifts. Those things define and measure who we are. But the Apostle Paul, when he writes that famous love chapter that we just read in 1 Corinthians 13, he's writing to this church in this really successful metropolitan area of ancient Turkey called Corinth. They're super successful and polished. They're also crazy and out of control and unorganized. And they're operating in all these spiritual gifts and prophecy and tongues and having all of these power encounters but they've lost their being grounded, rooted and grounded in love. And so the whole book of Corinthians is the apostle Paul trying to bring correction to these people who are just kind of have unbridled or, or have just kind of let loose in all of these ways. And if you look at it, you'll see that the book of Corinthians, it has all of these instructions on how to course correct what they're doing in their church gatherings and how they live together. But the center of it all is this chapter on love. And it's right in this chapter, right after the other parts that we read, where Paul says, love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes... Remember that passage we read that when God's love is in us, his joy is made complete. That's 1 John 4. When completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now, we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. That's vulnerability, right? Seeing someone face to face, knowing in part, but being known fully and being fully known, that's that vulnerable place where we can be fully loved. Now these three remain, 
faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. The solution to the third problem is to not let the world's definition of success be your measure of success. It's not fame or fortune that will fulfill you, but learning to give and receive love. Let that be the measure of your success. How well do I love? How well do I receive love? How well do I give love? If you join us often here, <laughs> um, you know that our purpose isn't just to stand up here and just talk about love. I could get up here and I can talk about love, but we actually want to practice love in this place. We want to get skills. We want to learn. And that's part of what the Roots course is. That's what our freedom seminar is for. That's what growing older and wiser is about, is how do I love well when I'm growing older and wiser? How do I love well in every stage of my life? We actually want to practice and learn skills so that we can learn how to love. So today, I actually want to teach you a skill about love. And Stanley's going to help me. Stanley's going to come up and help me. Because we want to do love in action, not just love in dreams. And so what's hard, again, about love in action, right, is it requires, it can be hard because it can feel awkward or different. It can feel vulnerable. Um, and it can also maybe reveal where we're at in our ability to love and receive love. And so we're going to do an exercise that um, Pete Scazzaro is always recommending, and it's an appreciation exercise. It's not even, you could just call it an act of appreciation. It doesn't even need to be called an exercise. But just like um, we teach our kids basic life skills, sometimes we have to learn the skill of loving one another. And so um, this skill of appreciation is essentially just expressing appreciation to someone. So we're gonna do that right now. I asked Stanley this morning if he would do this for me. And I'm gonna say, I wanna express three ways I appreciate you. And he's gonna express three ways he appreciates me. So we're gonna put our phone away, put my laptop away. We're gonna look each other in the eye. We're gonna be face to face. And I'm gonna tell you three things that I appreciate about you. So. I appreciate your flexibility so much at work. Stanley and I work together. I can often call on you on the last minute for something or call you at a random time and ask you to do something. And you'll be like, sure, I'm happy to do that. Or even come over to my house. You know, there was a time you actually came over to my house. I was like, can you come over? <laughs> and you came over and you and Lori sat with us and I really appreciated that flexibility. I also appreciate your generosity. You're unbelievably generous with food, the time, and your heart. Last week, you brought cinnamon rolls for all of us, and I very much appreciate that. The other thing I appreciate about you is um, you have a lot of wisdom, Stanley teaches us a lot about the prophetic and has lived a prophetic lifestyle his whole life. You have so much knowledge, so much prophecy, so much tongues. 
But at the end of the day, what I remember about you is your love. It always comes first. So thank you. I appreciate you. Thank you. So the hardest thing here for me is looking someone in the eyes. Growing up in the way I grew up, looking people in the eyes was not something you ever did. The window into the soul. But I'm, this is a practice for me to look people in the eyes too. So um, the one thing, I really appreciate how um, well you communicate um, and how often you do it. She, um, because I work for her, um, we do work together, but I work for her. She's my boss. And I'm, because I'm adaptable, um, it always lets me be a little scattered. <laughs> and she always brings me up, brings me in, talks to me, spends time with me and explains to me, I need this, I need this. And I really appreciate that because I need that. And I appreciate the fact that you take the time to do it and you do it so well. And that leads me to the second one. You're always kind when you do it. And I always don't deserve kindness, but you give it to me anyway. And I really appreciate seeing that kindness there. Um, I, I see you be kind to other people and I see the change it makes in them. And I've seen the change it's making in our church as you lead us in that kindness. I really appreciate that. And the, the other thing is your inclusiveness. Um, Sarah really has always been very inclusive of generationally, the old and the young, always wanting to make sure we're taking care of, you're always making sure we're taking care of the younger people and watching out for younger people, but also everybody, but also across the board. I, it's very clear for me to see that you don't think there's any hindrance for anybody to get into the kingdom of God. Everybody can be included. Christ wants everybody included, and there is no barriers. And so you constantly are reaching out to people, looking for reasons to draw people in and encouraging us to do the same thing. So I really appreciate that. It's very, I, I appreciate that leadership that you give by doing that. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Okay. That was vulnerable. We led with vulnerability here, right? Okay. Now we're going to take it a step further. We're just practicing. We're practicing love. We're practicing showing appreciation. Who doesn't love being appreciated? Any, I mean, we all need it. We crave it. Our kids need it. Our parents need it. Our coworkers need it. We all need appreciation. It's, it's a way to have connection with people and to love one another. So I want us to practice this today with someone that you might have come with, but don't start yet. Some of us here don't know anyone here or we came by ourselves, And so we have to practice. I'm going to give you a chance to practice if you want. Nobody's forced to do anything. But if you want, you can practice even if you don't know someone here. So my sister is not here today. And so I'm going to practice showing appreciation to my sister, even though my sister lives in Southeast Asia as a missionary. And so I will tell her to look at the podcast, you know, in a day or two. But I'm going to practice what I would say to my sister. I'm going to practice preparing to love on my sister. And so I'm going to say it to Stanley, though, because I'm going to, you know, just practice looking someone in the eye and telling them how much I appreciate them. So Rachel, now I know you're not Rachel, but I'm practicing here, imagining. I appreciate ever since I can remember, as my sister, you have always championed me. You have always cheered me on, um, encouraged me, prayed for me, especially in the last few years. I know that you are for me, and I appreciate that about you. 
My other thing that I appreciate about you is that I know you want to be a better friend and counselor to the people you serve. And so you're taking classes in, in uh, counseling. I appreciate that you love people so much that you would go to school to learn how to love them even more. That's, that's beautiful and amazing. Also, the third thing I love about you, Rachel, or I think I appreciate about you, is that you are willing to live in Southeast Asia under crazy lockdown during coronavirus and watch this pandemic ravage that nation and yet you don't leave. You're there because you love those people, you love the missionaries you serve, you love the land that God's called you to, and I appreciate that picture of Christ's love. It keeps me going. Okay. Amen. So I'm, I'm going to do, can I turn this off? No. Uh, I'm going to do uh, one of my sons, Christopher, and uh, he's, he'll watch this sometime. So um, Chris, what I appreciate that one, you endured your mom and I when we adopted you <laughs> and because your personality was so much different than ours. Um, we're both Lori and I are very scattered, um, adaptable, and you are very much a precise order person. And the fact that you endured through that and grew through that and have loved us anyway through that and have showed that appreciation. I appreciate that you have been willing to really go outside of yourself and who you see yourself as to expand how you see the world, how you see other people and to accept other people even though, you, though you've been through some very hard, hard times. And then I appreciate how well you take care of your son, how much love and concern and compassion that you put into Quentin and, and how critically concerned you are. Uh, as a man, you just, it is just like this boy is everything to you. And I really, really appreciate seeing a father who just loves his son so much. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Stanley. Okay, so now here's the fun part, because we like to challenge people when you come to church here. Find someone you came with or someone else and take a few moments to practice telling each other how much you appreciate them, or you can practice saying your appreciations just with someone you don't know. We just want to give you that opportunity to practice expressing love, to practice active love. So if you're watching online or you're at home, if you're driving in the car, maybe get off this call and then, or finish your podcast and call someone. Just tell them why you appreciate them. Or when you get home and your house is a mess and things are crazy or whatever, Take a moment to pause and find someone in your home and tell them how much you appreciate them. One way or the other, I just encourage you and to take this time right now or uh, later to practice appreciation. So we're going to close right now and I'm going to pray. And if you would like prayer, we have some tables over here where you can greet uh, someone and someone will pray for you. I'll also be standing in the foyer if you'd like to chat more and learn more about what we do here, but um, let's finish with a prayer. Lord, we thank you that you came, and even though love was hard, even though it was vulnerable, even though there were so many other powerful and amazing things you could do, 
ultimately you came to love people. And we just thank you for your love. We thank you that you are love. And I pray that each person here today would know your love and that they would leave um, empowered to love more even as they engage in active love. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you all.